listening to Power Producers Shop Talk, where we are refining and redefining the sales game by equipping you with the tools you need to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Tactical skills that will help you provide deliverable value to your clients and prospects. Here, these are conversations that will differentiate you from your competition. Now, if you don't want to be different than your competition, probably should just go ahead and shut this off. And action items that you can provide to take your prospects and clients to the next level. Like when we audit the mod and get and do the mod master and and give them the actionable items that they can that they can do in order to lower their cost of risk. This is Power Producers Shop Talk. Production redefined. Reasonable and what wasn't. And and I think that you know, that's, that's spot on. And, you know, these people that we're talking with don't necessarily understand what their exposures are and what they can even do about them, um, you know, when they're uncovered. So I, I do like that what we're able to provide is something tangible, action items that they can do. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. Welcome to Power Producers. Episode number 12. Today we're going to talk about setting expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's important. I think it is important. And, you know, the thing that's crazy is, you know, especially when I'm talking with people that are in killing commercial that are just now starting to get into middle market is they don't understand the difference between writing commercial insurance that's small business and writing commercial insurance that's not small business. They, it, there's mm-hmm. a whole different process that goes around that. And I think that, you know, if I were to classify what the main difference or differences are, it could, a lot of it could be, aside from a nice fat paycheck, a lot of it could be classified into managing expectations. I think that's yeah. fair. So like, what do you mean specifically? So, you know, especially with us, because typically, if we do things the way that we should and go through our process, the insurance transaction may not necessarily happen immediately at the time that we take the account over. It could be a couple of months ahead. It might be 10 months ahead, depending on when we've engaged. And so as a result, I think it's, um, you know, it's important to know what you have to do once all of that actually goes down. Right. So you want to be in a position you want to be in a position to where you can set the carrier's expectations correctly for what the risk is going to look like, what your firm's going to do and all of that uh just by the submission, right? So the submission would be where I would start with all of those things. Uh because okay. you want a lot of times for us we might leave it with the same carrier but we might not leave it with that carrier and the first opportunity the carrier really has to get an understanding of what a risk looks like is through your communication with them and specifically your submission now i'm a mm-hmm. big fan of including loss control audit claims and underwriting in an on-site visit to that client but we're not going to get to that until we've already submitted it and we make sure that they're interested and this is something that they want to write. Otherwise I'm wasting their time and mine to go out and look at it. So, you know, as I look at it, one of the biggest things that can make a difference and you just look, we just experienced this, right? Like in real time today, just experienced Mm -hmm. this. 
But one of the best things you can do is put together a good narrative that tells the underwriter exactly what it is that they're looking at. Don't make them do a bunch of guesswork. Here's a fun fact. If they have losses, own them. Talk about what they are, why they existed, and most importantly, what's been done to correct them from happening again. And, you know, I think that one of the reasons why we're able to get things done with carriers that other people aren't, other agencies aren't sometimes, is because they know that we're transparent in that process. There's no smoke and mirrors. Like if, yeah. There's no hiding from a bad, you know, not a bad situation, but, but claims, like you said, like there's no reason to hide from them. If you can show a clear path to, uh, you know, managing that effectively in the future. Listen, if you're prospecting high mod business, your underwriter is going to expect claims to begin with. So they, they know who you are and what you're doing. I mean, and look, call it what it is, but setting carrier expectations sometimes too, is having legitimate marketing meetings with them. I realize that there's a lot of agencies out there that despise the marketing visit. They don't want the person coming in, shaking hands once a month, once a quarter, whatever it is. I take a different approach, man. I know those people have a job to do. They're on my side. They're not adversarial. And so I want to take those meetings. I want to meet with my carriers because I need to know what it is that they're writing and what what, what I can do to boost our presence with them. And truthfully, man, it's a really good opportunity for them to tell me the stuff I can be doing that nobody else is. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about that when you're building out a niche product or a pipeline, one of the best things you could do is go to the underwriter or the marketing rep and say, what's something you're really good at. You're just not seeing right now. Give that to me and I'll, I'll put some processes around it from a marketing perspective and we'll make it happen. You know, yeah, and I think it's good to have a, a relationship with you know the underwriter um, where you can like like I call underwriters all the time. I've got questions about a certain submission. I, I mean, there's there's been plenty of times where I've I've called more than once about one just to kind of pick their brain and see you know what makes sense and what doesn't, what they what they're afraid of on it, if it's even worth their time, or 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 what things they would need to see in order for it to be worth their time. You know, I, I think you have to have that type of relationship with the underwriter to where you can pick up the phone and and have a conversation with them. Yeah. I mean, why don't you talk a little bit about what a narrative just did for us on the one we got a quote on today? Yeah. So, I mean, we've been working on this one for well over a year. It is one that came to us. By the way, not normal, not normal that we work on something over a year, but this is a very difficult class of business that nobody wants to write it's, and we were able to get a carrier yeah. to put up terms. Right. It, it, it came from uh, one of my payroll partners that was trying to pull them away from a, from a PEO relationship and basically said, if we can find something, a standalone comp policy, the amount of savings that they're going to be seeing on the admin side, I mean, it, it's a done deal. So the, the issue had been just, like there was a reason why they're with a PEO right now, right? Like it's like you said, not a desirable class code. There are some claims on it, but we were able to leverage a relationship that we have with a particular carrier and 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 tell them a story, you know, based on our loss control visit and the stuff that we knew about this about this client. Um, so you know, we did our due diligence, if you will, on the front end. And we're able to go back to them and say, Hey, look, here's the things that we found. 
the exposure that you would think there probably is based on what these guys are representing that they have in their, it's an amusement park. So the, the things that they have there are, are not really where, where the exposure lies. And a lot of the, the claims are in a different area that we think is manageable. Uh, and here's why we think it's manageable. So, you know, we were able to go out, take pictures, even send them to them, say, Hey, look, here's the deal. You know, we, we think that uh, this might be something that we can, um, you know, effectively manage and, and we want you to come take a look at it. And so they did. And, you know, it's obviously with COVID it's, it's stretched out longer than, than it normally would have. But um, yeah, I mean, we we were able to get terms on it today after basically a a year of, of back and forth with the carrier and with the insured and with the payroll partner. And I mean, it, it's been definitely a little bit of a whirlwind, but I mean, that, that, that's the, type of relationship leveraging that you need to do in order to get some things across the finish line. It's not just going to be like, if I just go and submit that online and, and we're not having any conversation that like gets shot down all day. Like we've got to be able to go in, analyze the loss runs, find and identify trends and where we think that we can implement some different things that are going to have a positive impact on, on the mod and on their future, um, you know, Risk. The other thing that you have to do is you have to have historical results of proving yourself right. You know, <clears throat> and I yeah. think that that goes into just having experience and street smarts because with this particular account, the the biggest issue is the fact that they'd had several claims revolving around go karts, right? People getting hit, mm-hmm. and so the angles that I used when I had my initial verbal discussions with with the underwriting team at this carrier was listen, we've also had the same issues with golf carts at resorts that we write with you guys. And we've been able to risk manage that to a pretty good level. So I don't foresee that the practical application of our programs is going to be any different for the go-karts than it would be if you're dealing with a, a resort that's got 50, 60 golf carts that are running around that could cause the same kinds of issues. And because mm-hmm. I was able to think about a time I had an account with them where we didn't necessarily have the same situation, but one that was actually probably in a less controlled environment and have had a lot of success and yeah. in, in, in return a profitable account for them, then they, they're willing to, to listen and do the deal. Now, here's the other thing. Better close it. <laughs> like... You know, when you work on something for a year like that and you go back and forth and you've massaged it and you've done all the things you need to do, you got to make sure you get the account closed too. But I mean, we appropriately set expectations for that account from the very beginning. And listen, I'm not saying Mm -hmm. again that you guys have to go out and have have a doctorate degree in loss control. You don't have to have that. You just need to do something better than every other agent out there is doing. And that's what we did. Went out, took pictures, wrote some summary around it. You know, each of the pictures explained what they were looking at, addressed the claims, all of those things. Yeah. And asked some pointed questions too, right? Like, you know, asked her very, very direct stuff about their operations. So we could try to see if they were bullshitting us or not, you know, and she was very straightforward and, and um, you know, could we could tell from her responses that they were they were running a, a relatively tight ship. They were just having issues in this in this one area, and and you know it was something that she had no patience for, and and you know wouldn't tolerate. So, 
um, I think that part's important too. It's one thing to just go out there and see things and be like, oh, okay, cool. This is what, you know, this is what this place is, but you've got to, you've got to ask the hard questions to, to figure out if it's actually a viable opportunity or not. And, you know, obviously it was based on our discussion with them. Yeah. You know, the other thing too, is think about when you get that account on the books, some more of the expectations that need to be set. And this is actually a really good example for this. How many locations do they have? Nine. Is that right? No. Yeah. At least nine and adding potentially two more within the next call it three. Yeah. Years. So another thing from a, a setting an expectation standpoint with a carrier is you want to understand how they're going to take claims data in and then report that back out to you. So for us, one of the things that's really important is we need to have claims reported by location. Like it's, that's got to happen. Um, You know, because we want to go in and hold the individual unit management responsible for the performance of their location. So if you go to the carrier and say, look, we've got nine locations. When we report claims, we want to give you location numbers. These are the location codes. It might be as simple as one through nine, whatever it is. But we want to make sure that the claims are allocated to each of to the appropriate location because what that allows us to do is see who's taking things seriously and who isn't, you know, number one. Mm-hmm. But when you go to uh, do the mod master, you can put the location code into the mod master and you can even show not just from the raw loss runs, but also inside of the mod report, how many mod points each location is responsible for. It's a really good point. And that's huge, but that's something you have to set up on the front end. You've got to make sure that you're having that conversation with the claims people on the front end. One of my biggest pet peeves is getting loss runs that lack detail either, you know, either the claims aren't reported, you know, they've got every employee employee fell great, you know, or it's all lumped into one deal, the indemnity, the expenses and all that. And you've got to sit here and try and back your way into the numbers. Just explain what it is Mm -hmm. that you're looking for. Number one, set the expectation. And then most importantly, hold them to it. Like make mm-hmm. sure that they actually stick to what they said they're going to do for you. And if you do that, right. you're going to find that it makes your life a whole lot easier. And it sets you apart from everybody that you're competing against because I'm not going to say nobody does that, but a good number of people don't do that. When you start getting to national accounts, that's commonplace. But when you're in the middle market, and especially if you're just hovering at that, you know, 25 to 50,000 range, people aren't doing that. Sure. So, I mean, claims is another important one. The, the, the last one that I'm going to talk about with regard to expectations is loss control and, and setting up the loss control piece and knowing the frequency of visits, you know, how much, what type of resources is the carrier going to give? What type of resources is the agency going to provide? And what are we going to need to go out and do from a third party standpoint to bring one of our hired guns in? to do loss control on that specific operation. And I think that it's important to, to outline that on the front end and, and put that into the risk management action plan. One of my favorite things to do so that I can understand what kind of environment I'm walking into, and I've done this on every one of my larger accounts, 
is I'll take my uh, risk assessment that I do, the baseline that I do when I go in for my first walkthrough, or if I if I hire a third party that has industry specific expertise for that industry, I'll have them use my template. But essentially, it's like between twenty. I don't remember exactly. It's it's thirty five pages long by the time you get into the explanations of everything. But it's 25 to 30 bullet points that have to do with risk management and and all of that. And then they're supposed to go through and grade themselves on a one through 10 based on where they're at. And what I like to do. So this is something that you'll you'll just give the insured. Well, so what I do is I'm going to go do my baseline risk assessment, right? I'm going to walk around. I'm going to be looking for all of the things that are in my report on my checklist. And then I'm going to like, for example, manual material handling, show me your manual material handling program. Great. Show me your training Mm -hmm. certificates, walk up to an employee that's on the floor and say, Hey, just out of curiosity, can you, can you talk to me about proper lifting and see if they can tell me what is being done to train them and if they have it right. And Mm -hmm. so then I'll score that piece of it at a certain level. And what I like to do is I go through that process, but then I don't give the whole bundled product to the leadership team at that com- at the company, but I'll give them the score sheet and I'll just give them the brief description of each of the bullets. And right. I hand it around the table and I want everybody that's in the, in the meeting to grade where they think they are. Because mm-hmm. what I want to see, and, and then also if I'm using professional loss control, compare that as well. What I'm really looking for is the gap between where they think they are and where I think they are, because that tells me right. how hard my job's going to be. You know, if I go in and somebody gives themselves all tens and their mods a two point two, we got a we got a problem. <laughs> you know, right? And so it's always good to see that, but it also helps you to set expectations because if there's a huge gap, if I go in and my report mirrors theirs exactly, that's a real easy conversation to have. You guys are right on point. It seems you're self-aware. You know what needs to be worked on. I agree with everything that you've said. Here's what we're going to do to work on these points. Here's what I need from you. Here's what we're going to bring, and here's what the carrier's going to bring. You're ready to go. If you've rated some – How often does that happen? Um, <laughs> not often, but it's the, people are usually pretty critical of themselves. If it's that far off, if they're serious about what they're yeah, doing, yeah. If they're that know. far off, there's a good chance I'm probably they're probably not going to be a good prospect or client right. for us, and, yeah. and I may need to cut bait. But most of the time, you're you're um, you're you're relatively close within a point or two of being in sync with them. But if you go in and you're off, if you're if if they've got themselves at a ten and I've got them at a two. We're going to have to have a conversation about that. Like I need to understand what they think or at least make sure they know what I think so that they, especially if they're mods jacked. Like, I mean, how could you possibly think that you have, you're running a tight ship if you've got a 1.4 mod. Right. Or for example, if it's claims reporting, right. And they say, well, we're, we feel like we're a 10 in claims reporting. We do great. And then I run through the loss runs and put together a quick and dirty that shows me that the lag time from the time an injury happens to the time that it's reported is 14 days. That's not a 10 Mm -hmm. in claims reporting. That's like a one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know and i mean people don't think about that in their mind oh we report everything that happens well yeah you do but it just takes you two weeks and meanwhile this claim is now three times the size it should have been because you didn't address it the way you should have so i think that that's that's a big piece of it but 
the the loss control piece in general, once you establish that baseline and you outline, here's the services we're going to bring, here's what I need from you in terms of a dedication of time, because it is an investment, even though I'm not going to go to that client and say, I need you to kick in this, you know, these resources. The resource you are asking for is access to their employees and access to their time. And that's expensive, mm-hmm. it, you sure. know, and uh, if you can get that, then you're all on the same page at that point as far as uh, setting expectations. And then guess what? You better deliver them because now you've laid it out. And right. that's why, you know, for me on the larger accounts, having a monthly or a quarterly recap on where we're at with the risk management action plan is crucial because I want to be able to show them in real time that we're meeting their needs and exceeding their expectations. And truthfully, I do that because I hate stewardship reports. I hate them. I think it's the dumbest thing ever that an agency goes in and provides a stewardship report. To me, that's nothing more than saying, well, I haven't really talked to you in a year, but I'm going to give you this report that shows you everything I've been doing, allegedly, that'll make you want to hire me again. Don't do that. Do it in real time. You know, if you're truly going to be a partner, they should always know what's going on. That's a major, major deal um, in terms of managing the relationship. And if your goal is to hit it and quit it, you're going to write the account and walk away you're going to lose the account just as fast as you got it because you're not doing anything to keep it on the books. There's nothing really that I can think of that's more disappointing than not following through with the expectations. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the, that's the worst thing ever. And look, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes- like even like even when you go to a restaurant, right. And you're expecting everything to be super fire. And then you have like this shitty meal. Like My all-time favorite is my buddy Lance Crawford, and I'll name him in this because this is awesome and everybody should reach out to him on Facebook or LinkedIn and let him know you heard this story on Power Producers Podcast. He's currently recovering from a stroke, so it would make his day to hear from people. But I'll never forget it, man. We were in the drive-thru at Taco Bell one time and Lance, of course you were. Lance was driving and he pulls up to the speaker and the lady asks if she can take the order. He says, I'll take seven bucks worth. And she said, <laughs> she says, what do you mean? And he said, I'll, I'll take seven bucks worth. She said, seven bucks worth of what? He said, hell, I don't know. Does it really matter? You never get my order right anyhow. Just charge me seven bucks and throw some stuff in the bag. <laughs> that's awesome he he had some good ones man i was actually also behind in, in i was in the car with him when he was driving one time and we were up in gainesville and we needed to get some money out of the atm for dinner or whatever we were doing and there was a college kid and he was just like this guy had, was going through every card in his wallet like You could just tell. And finally, after we had sat there for five minutes and it was very apparent that no money was coming out, he rolls down his window. He's like, come on, buddy. It's an ATM, not a slot machine. You're not going to win today. (laughs) So that's awesome. Yeah. So anyhow, all of that and then some. But, you know, I think it's important because you have to set expectations. Number one, that's the first thing. A lot of agencies don't even set that. They, Mm -hmm. they, They operate in a world where their client has expectations that the agency might not even know because they weren't the ones that set them and they're not in a common page. That's, that's why it's important to have a risk management action plan that's lined out and agreed upon in advance. But then the second phase of that is you have to execute. You can't just, you can't just set expectations and not execute on them 
and you put pressure on yourself. I think sometimes people don't set the expectation at the beginning and and, and formalize that because they don't want the, they don't want to have the pressure of having to actually yeah. follow through and do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I don't mean totally they, I don't mean they intentionally do that. I think they do it to a certain degree subconsciously, just because yep. they don't like the way it, it makes them feel. Right. I, I completely agree with you. So I would say that from a managing expectation standpoint, that's that's enough to cover right there. I think that putting together a good narrative and a solid submission, and we look, we, we're going to get into what does a complete submission look like. We could talk about those things under another podcast, but just doing the work on the front end to set the carrier's expectations, then looking at it from a claim standpoint, looking at it from a loss control standpoint. The only other thing I'm going to tell you is once you're ready to move forward, once you're ready to bind coverage with that company, I absolutely love, and this goes back to setting and and executing and exceeding expectations, I love having a kickoff meeting. It's probably easier now with COVID than it is in person because you don't have to coordinate schedules as much to have people physically show up. But I want to I want to roll in there with an entourage. If I'm moving carriers or even if I'm not moving carriers, there's a good number of times that I've brought an account on where they had never met their underwriter before. And the underwriter had never met the client. They'd never seen the building. They'd never and and I don't want that. I want an underwriter to be able to drive by a place and be like, I ensure that. Yeah, that's right. And so mm-hmm. for me, it's important if you have that kickoff meeting, take an underwriter, take the loss control person take the claims person. And I'll tell you who else I like to have in there. I like to have an auditor. I like to have one of the people from the audit department in there because if you're in an industry that's got multiple class codes and there's some gray areas to where maybe some people are versus others or whatever, you don't want to wait until the policy expires to figure all of that out and get into an arguing argument with the, the auditing people. Bring them in. Here's our class codes. Here's where they work. Here's the workstation out on the manufacturing floor so you can see, are you comfortable with the way this is coded? And let them let them tell you yes or no. If you don't do that, you're setting yourself up for a massive issue down the road if they come in and decide, you know what, these people aren't classed yeah. right. Oh, by the way, here's your additional premium of $100,000 because of it. Right. Definitely better to identify that in the initial stages of things versus getting slammed at audit. Yeah. And I think that you set expectations for a healthy relationship. If you go in with a group of people on the front end that basically says, look, we're all on your side of the side of the table here. Let's figure out what we need to do to make this thing work. Yep. I'm with you. All right, man. Well, I think we have done as much as we can about expectations and we've got plenty more we can talk about in future episodes, but for now, I'm out, man. Everybody have a good weekend. We'll see you there or we will see you on another time. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's from uh, I think Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Uh, it's been a long <laughs> time. Paul Rudd. Been a long time since I've seen that. All right, everybody. See you. been listening to power producers shop talk you can follow us at the power producers podcast on facebook and instagram and if you want to take your game to the next level check out our commercial insurance training course at killingcommercial.com or visit amazon to pick up a copy of our international best-selling book the extra two minutes